Hello, this is Digital Accessibility, the people behind the progress. I'm Joe Walensky, the creator and host of this series. And as an accessibility professional myself, I find it very interesting as to how others have found their way into this profession. So let's meet one of those people right now and hear about their journey. All right, well, let's get started. And I'm happy to be visiting today with Carly Yeoman. Hello, Carly. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm um, good. It is uh, most of the time I'm at my home office on Bashan Island near Seattle, which is also near Blink's uh, headquarters in downtown Seattle. Uh, where are you talking to us from today? I'm in Seattle as well. I'm in the West Seattle neighborhood of Seattle. All right, excellent. Well, that's that's a fun neighborhood. Not too far from me, except with a ferry ride in between. Yep. Well, it's uh, it's good to uh, have you uh, involved here today, and, and to learn a little bit about your uh, journey to uh, what you're doing today. But why don't we start with that? Uh, what's your current position, and what are the types of uh, types of things you're uh, involved with? Yeah. Thanks for having me here today. I'm super excited to be part of this. Uh, I'm a member of Expedia Group's digital accessibility team. Technically, my title is accessibility engineer because I have a web development background, but I do kind of a little bit of everything. Uh, we have a pretty small accessibility team, so we do pretty much anything needed to empower the company to make accessible digital products. So I run and build trainings, I build documentation as well as internal guidelines. Uh, I run our internal accessibility champions network so that we can really spread our knowledge out. Um, I also complete assessments of both our web pages and our apps. And then I just implement processes across the development lifecycle to make sure that we're thinking about accessibility at all points, whether it's product or design or development or test. Yeah, well, it's great to uh, be chatting with somebody from uh, Expedia. I think that's one of those uh, companies where uh, beyond people knowing the, the name, it's likely that most of us have, have used it in some way. So I, I don't know if that puts uh, extra pressure on the types of things that you do or not. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think travel is a really, really important thing. And I think it's something that everybody should be able to do. So making sure that we are allowing that and making sure that our products are being able to be used by everybody, I think is really important. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's certainly, uh, you know, your product is in one of those situations where, uh, um, you, you know, you definitely want everyone to be able to use it. And uh, we will talk uh, more about the things that you're doing at, at Expedia, but, the, the theme of this uh, program is to just kind of find out the journey that brought people to where they are today. So um, why don't we just hand it off to you. Uh, you know, what's the starting point? What were some of the things that kind of built to uh, bringing you to where you're at today? Yeah, so when I entered college, I really had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I knew that I enjoyed math and logic but I actually ended up majoring in astronomy and physics. Um, but when it came towards the end of college and I started thinking about my career, I realized I just wasn't passionate about it. So I took some extra web development classes my last few years and really started working in back-end web development when I graduated. 
Uh, the first couple of years, I think partly because I was focused on back end, but I think unfortunately digital accessibility just wasn't talked about that much still at that point. Uh, so at that point, I still really hadn't even heard of it. I barely knew what it was. Um, but in 2014, I was actually working for a contracting company and starting to expand to full stack and focusing more on front end development. And they actually placed me at Expedia as they were starting their accessibility team. So I was kind of thrown into the deep end, straight into this new accessibility team that was getting created with pretty much zero knowledge of digital accessibility. Um, but luckily I had some really great teammates that had more experience than I did that taught me a ton, uh, as well as a lot of coworkers with disabilities that really provided perspective for me, showed me how to use assistive technologies, really showed me what went into all of that and all the struggles that they've had. And I just, I fell in love with the field and became so passionate in it. I'm now seven years into that at Expedia Group. I've had a ton of learnings. I'm still growing, um, I, but this feels like kind of the perfect marriage between being able to do what I love, which is web development, but also making an impact in people's lives, which is something that I felt like I was missing. So I just, I love that accessibility allows me to do both. Well, uh, uh, let's not let the seven years go by without like dipping into uh, some parts of it in a little bit more detail. But uh, so you you had a developer uh, background, uh, you know, that was an area that you were involved with from the start. Um, were, had accessibility come up in the things that you were doing before you got involved in, in Expedia? Um, was it anything that you know, was talked about or that you felt you had to learn about before that point? Honestly, it really hadn't. I mean, since I didn't major in computer science, I only took a few classes in college, but none of those touched on it at all. Um, the contracting company I was working for before then, we had members of the company that were in accessibility and were focused on that. So I'd heard little bits through the grapevine from them and kind of got an idea of what it was. But as for actually how to make an experience accessible and what actually goes into that, before I joined Expedia, I pretty much was at zero. All right. Well, good. I, I mean, the reason... I, I were good in that the reason I ask about things like that is, you know, just always looking to figure out how in our, in our profession, we, we can move forward. And yeah, I think it's important for everyone to, you know, to, to uh, evangelize it as broadly as possible within their organization, uh, just so that, uh, you know, any, anybody who's has touch points with uh, our customers, uh, you know, can find out if in fact, there is something that they need to do. And I'm, I'm guessing there probably were things now that you knew you could have yes. been attentive to, but uh, you didn't know at the time. Oh, definitely. Yeah. When I look back on things that I created before that point in time, and it's, it's almost upsetting thinking about the information that I didn't have and the knowledge I didn't have and the users that I was blocking from using the software that I was creating. So, I mean, I'm glad I finally had my eyes open to that, but I think there's definitely still a long way to go in this field, making sure that everybody does understand that. Well, uh, then when you came into Expedia, uh, did you say that, that there was an accessibility component to that position from the start? Yeah, so they had actually just, we just created our first accessibility team and I jo joined as that, as starting out the team. There was me and two other members of the team all just starting it up. The other two both had um, one is a coworker with a disability and the other had a pretty long history of working in digital accessibility. So 
I learned a ton from them, but yeah, I'm, it was the only one that was starting from scratch. <laughs> Well, I, I, everybody has to start somewhere, and uh, and and so again, I think it's interesting, you know, when uh, how people find their way and, and gather that information. And so when you you came into that position, it was great that you had, you know, a couple of people that were able to, uh, you know, mentor you uh, at that point. But uh, what were like what were some of the things that you actually uh, kind of had to work through? What were some of the challenges early on about? you know, how you learned about things or was there a certain approach that your your mentors brought in or priorities in, in getting you up to speed? Yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of everything. So I had a web development background, um, but even with that, it was back end. So I was even still kind of learning front end development and learning how to do HTML and CSS. So it kind of actually almost helped in a way that I didn't have a whole lot ingrained in me already because I got to learn how to do it accessibly from the beginning from them. Um, but because I was learning the job, I think in a way that's actually helped me in my career because I've gone through the struggles that I see um, other members of my company going through and how um, confusing accessibility can be at the beginning and how it can feel very, very complicated and knowing now what I know and knowing that it doesn't have to be that way and learning how to kind of de demystify that was something that my coworkers were really helpful with and kind of teaching me along the way how it doesn't have to be this big, scary thing that a lot of people think it might be. Um, but yeah, I think just learning as I worked through it and figuring out the best ways to explain things, whether it's from a design perspective or from a development perspective. And so learning that as well, learning the design side of it has been a big thing for me and um, learning how to do designs with accessibility included and what that looks like, I think is important. Um, but kind of, yeah, just learning all the different steps and how accessibility needs to be handled in each step of the development life cycle has been super helpful. And um, how is uh, access, uh, accessibility brought into uh, the process at Expedia? I guess I, I uh, usually uh, kind of are looking for a couple of things. One is organizationally, whether um, you're sort of in a department that is responsible for its own things and there are other people in other departments responsible for their part or, or, something, or is there more of a uh, organization, something across the organization that guides uh, accessibility? Yeah, so I'm on our internal um, digital accessibility team. So we kind of handle digital accessibility for the entire company, but we want to make sure that we're not actually doing the work for them. So when it comes to designing, we don't actually get in there and get hands on and do the designs. We don't write the code, but we provide any assistance that's needed in doing that for anybody in the company that's working on a digital product, no matter what it is, we're here for that. And so we create trainings and lots of documentation. We have a Slack channel that we call Accessibility Coach, where somebody from my team is always there to answer any questions anybody has, whether they're having trouble figuring out how to make a design accessible or they're a developer and they're writing code and they wanna make sure that they're approaching it the right way, we're there for that. Uh, we also run specific programs like helping teams implement accessibility automation in their builds, making sure that we're thinking about it at that step. Um, we'll also sit down with people if they want one-on-one -on -one guidance on something. So we're kind of all over the place doing anything that's asked of us when it comes to accessibility and just making sure that everybody has the resources that they need. 
Uh, I did also mention we do have an accessibility champions network. So our team is very small. Um, right now, there's only two of us, but we're actually in the process of growing it. Right now, we have a few job postings out there. Um, but because we are so small, we do rely on our accessibility champions. So people throughout the company in all sorts of different roles and all sorts of different working on different products that are passionate about accessibility to be there when we can't to help answer questions and really share that passion and really grow that passion across the company um, because we can't have our hands in everything. But so that's really helpful for us. Yeah, well, that, the champions uh, uh, network is interesting. I, I know in, in in most largest largest organizations, uh, uh, evangelists uh, in that are in departments or divisions tend to be the people that uh, help spread that you know the passion and the information. Uh, but it sounds like uh, what you've done is. Uh, standardize that a little bit or add more structure to it is is that right yeah so our champions network has been through a few different phases we've definitely had a lot of learnings and perfected it and continued to grow it um, we're actually just started a new phase where we now have a little bit more structure to it where we have different champion levels and depending on your roles there's different things that you can do um, to increase the level that you're at so that you can get more publicity and more recognition across the company and the work that you've put in. So these things might be things that help your team or even help other teams. So we really have a reason for these champions to help in any way that they can. And especially with teams that maybe don't have a champion, getting champions from other teams to help them as well. So it's a great learning experience for them too. Uh, when, uh, when Expedia has uh, a new hire um, is there some onboarding that connects them to what your group does, or uh, is it happen through the uh, champions or, or some other way? Yeah, so we have a lot of internal trainings. Um, we have trainings tailored to each different role, whether that be PMs or designers or developers. We have an onboarding process that they go through with various trainings about what accessibility is and then how to actually implement accessibility in your job. Um, and so those we find really, really important for our employees to understand accessibility from the get-go. Um, you mentioned... Uh... Uh, people having uh, different roles, uh, but I think that was related to the champions. Uh, but how does it work with accessibility for uh, different roles within the, uh, the process of, of your, your software system? Are there uh, activities for uh, research, design, development? Are they kind of set up in different ways or, or how do you work with that? Yeah, so I think we're still building some of that out, but that's definitely the goal is to get accessibility in every single touch point. Um, we do do research studies with users, so making sure that that is getting thought of and that we are bringing in users with disabilities when we do do these studies. Um, we're making sure that when product is creating user stories that we're including users with disabilities and part of these user stories. And then we are making sure that designs that are being handed off to our development team include the requirements that are needed for accessibility. So not only what is this experience like for a sighted user, but also what is this experience like for say a screen reader user and how are they going to navigate it and what's it gonna sound like? And then for our developers, making sure that they have 
they're doing testing on all of their code and making sure that they're thinking about accessibility and making sure that we have automated testing in our builds. And then once it goes live, we're still checking all of that, doing assessments, making sure that nothing um, made it through the cracks and made it to our live site. So really just making sure that we have those touch points at every single spot so we can really avoid bugs whenever possible. Well, it's good to hear that uh, you have that applied to uh, the research part of the process. I think that might be, you know, one of the areas in user experience that might be get the least amount of attention for accessibility, even though early on in the process, that's where you can really do a lot of uh, innovation. Um, do you have any uh, like uh, stories or anecdotes or anything of things that have come out of the research that have uh, that you felt have uh, made an impact on the direction that you went with design and development. Yeah, I don't know about any like specific stories, but I definitely have seen the power of doing research with um, users with disabilities and bringing in the people that are actually working on these products, and so that they can actually see a user actually using their product. And I found how. Um, impactful it is when they see somebody struggling and really get that person and seeing that person and seeing the struggle they're going through and really it really hits home more than it does when we just tell them that this is something that's important but actually seeing that experience is huge and frequently when we do that we find that people aren't using it the way that we expect or the way that the developer was thinking that it was going to be used and so it just really drives that home that we need to be thinking about these users and that they are the most, the important thing is what they think makes sense and not necessarily what we as developers or designers think makes the most sense. And then uh, do the findings from research, uh, where, what's the next stop for that? Does that get presented to designers? I think it depends on the stage that we are in the development life cycle, but yeah, that will generally go back to whoever is working on the product and we figure out how to iterate on it and continue to make things better. I think that's one of the things that I love about this field too, is that it's never boring. There's always some way to make things better and we're always looking for that. How do we make this specific experience better for this user or this user? And so there's always ways to iterate and make things better. It's never going to be perfect. So. But you also mentioned uh, training and documentation, um, and, and I think both of those as entities uh, don't often uh, end up as standardized parts of accessibility in organizations. So I think that's uh, a progressive step that you've taken. Um, what, is the, what is the training like? So we have trainings for each role. So we have kind of an introductory training that everybody is required to take that introduces you to accessibility and to the users that are affected, as well as to WCAG and the guidelines that we follow. Um, and then from there, there's just trainings. We have screen reader training as well that we try to get everybody to take just to make sure that you understand how a screen reader works, even if you're not necessarily in a role where you have to use it, but just understanding that that does exist and that there's going to be users that are using this and that there are different ways to navigate the web than maybe what you're used to. And then we'll have trainings. We have trainings aimed at developers that talk about how to actually write your code and then trainings aimed at designers that talk about things like color and other things that are going to factor into their designs and thinking about how they're actually incorporating that in the actual design that they hand off to development. And then the other piece what, that you mentioned was uh, documentation. What does that consist of and how is, uh, how does that, uh, how is that used by everyone? 
So we have a large wide range of documentation that I've been working on over the last seven years. We have different examples of different components. So say if you have a developer or designer who's working on a menu or a tooltip or a carousel, we have pages specifically dedicated to those that talk about what that experience will look like for a keyboard or a screen reader user, as well as um, common pitfalls that we see when it comes to those components and making sure that you avoid those. Uh, we also have um, Expedia accessibility guidelines, which is another document that I've worked on a lot over the last couple of years, where over the course of our program, we've had a few different obstacles that we were trying to solve. Um, one being that as the members of our team provide guidance, because accessibility can be a bit subjective, we found that we weren't necessarily consistent all the time in the recommendations that we were making. And so we wanted to figure out a way to make that more consistent and really document the directions that we wanted to take. And then we were also finding that, especially with employees who are new to accessibility, that if you ask them to look at WCAG and try to figure out what was required of them, because it's such a comprehensive document, it can be a little overwhelming for people and not knowing where to look, where to start. So we really just wanted to make it a little bit more concrete and in verbiage that made sense for us as a company. So we set out to create the Expedia Accessibility Guidelines, um, which are essentially just an adaption of WCAG. It's all the same content, but just in a little bit more specific kind of black and white requirements for the direction that we wanted to take as a company so that we could make sure that we were as consistent as possible in the experience that we had across each page, each component, each brand, and just making sure that everything can stay as consistent as possible and just have one stop shop that everybody can go to to figure out what they need for the component they're working on. If uh, uh, designers or developers uh, come up with new solutions for how to do things, does that, that move back toward your group to bring it into the documentation? Definitely, yeah. We are always updating our documentation with new findings, new decisions that we've made. If a question comes in that we feel like isn't answered yet in our documentation, um, and we have an answer for it, we'll go back in and add that to the documentation uh, whenever, yeah, if we have new experiences, new ways of implementing something and we change our mind, which happens sometimes. I mean, we have we find new information that we didn't have before and we decide that maybe a different experience is better than the one we have, we'll go back and change our recommendations. And, uh, does your group uh, field uh, questions or concerns that come in through customer support? We do, yes. We have an email alias that we use for that, as well as just our normal feedback um, locations. We get that all funneled in, funneled in when it's accessibility related. And we definitely look at that and use that to definitely go back to our teams and figure out what needs to happen to fix the, any issues that we're seeing. Um, but most of the time, it's actually usually pretty positive. We hear a lot that we of a one of the best travel platforms and I couldn't be more proud of that that we can allow people to do things that they couldn't otherwise so it's pretty exciting and how do you organize that with just two people <laughs> it's rough uh, I mean I realize there's a huge group there but I I would have yeah I would have felt like you would have needed more within the things you've been talking about here it's a lot mm -hmm. of work yeah, yeah. Our team has gone through a lot of changes. We've definitely had more people at times. This just happens to be a moment when right now we only have two. Um, but we are, as I said, looking to expand our team a lot more in the coming months. So we're pretty excited for those opportunities. 
Well, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about things going on now. Are there, uh, you know, any particular uh, activities or initiatives that you're particularly uh, interested or, or busy with these days? Um, still a little bit of everything, just kind of filling in all the gaps. We're working on a lot more documentation. Um, we found that we wanted to expand more outside of the typical roles that we think about for digital accessibility. So expanding more to documentation and things that will be helpful for just say a PM or somebody that's just working from day to day. So working on documentation for things like making emails accessible and presentations accessible. So things that are more mm -hmm. internal for us as a company. Um, we've been definitely working on that a lot, making sure that we are a great place to work for people with disabilities. Um, we were actually just named, recognized as one of the best places to work for disability inclusion by Disability In. So we're really excited about that. Um, and getting focused on that a little bit more. Um, we're also assisting a few other groups in making sure that just the travel experience as a whole is accessible. So not even just our digital experience, but actually the travel experience and the physical experience is accessible. Um, so that's really exciting for us as a team as well. Um, yeah, I think just continuing to build out as much as we can and touch as many people within the company as we can. As we start growing our team, we're hoping to touch more people. So the more we can do that, the better. Great. Well, uh, it's, it's a very interesting story and it's uh, great to, to see how uh, well you've been able to uh, put a comprehensive program together in your company. And uh, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you. Hi, I'm Joe Walensky, and as host of the Digital Accessibility Program, I like to keep the focus on our amazing guests. But I'm always excited about my role as Accessibility Director at Blink, the producer of this program, and I'd like to share that with you. Blink is the world's leader in evidence-driven design, and we work with a wide variety of clients. Founded in Seattle, we also have offices in Boston, New York, Austin, San Diego, and San Francisco. Our stated mission is to make technology human. Embracing inclusive design and accessibility brings all of us closer to that mission. We bring accessibility in every one of our projects. Our philosophy is that each of our practitioners should understand how accessibility applies to their own work. Accessibility is not a separate department or activity for us. Our researchers, designers, and developers all employ accessibility principles at every stage. If you have a need for research and design services, Blink is a partner with a full-time commitment to making your product or service accessible and a great experience for all of your customers. Some of the specific areas where we can help, using research to better understand the needs of your customers with disabilities, innovating to make sure your accessibility is the best in class design, we can move existing designs to development in a sprint. And maybe most importantly, we provide a turnkey transformation to an accessible site or app. Of course, compliance status is something that we always include as part of the service. If any of this is of interest, please get in touch with me directly at joe at blinkux.com. That's J-O-E at B-L-I-N-K-U-X.com. Thank you.
And please take a moment to rate our program in whatever app you use.